Welcome to In Context and Culture, a podcast hosted by pastors Corey Majors and Trent Roseman, intended to clarify and comment on critical issues pertaining to theology, the Bible, and life in the church. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to In Context and Culture, uh, the podcast where we discuss things from the scriptures in their context, as well as how we engage the culture as the church. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Trent Roseman, and I've got on the line with me, Corey Majors, and we actually have a guest today, Darren Selvage. He is the um, worship pastor at First Baptist Church Tampa, where I um, uh, am fortunate to serve. So, uh, Darren, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? I know we didn't really walk through all of what that meant, um, but just take the next couple minutes and just introduce yourself if you don't mind. Yeah, you bet. Um, so my name is Darren Selvage. I'm the worship pastor here at FBC Tampa. Been here about a year and a half, a little over a year and a half now. Um, married for, just celebrated 31 years and uh, got two kids, um, both in college and just kind of living the dream out here, man. Okay, so I've known you for three years, four years, four or five years, a number of years. Yeah, four or five years. Somewhere in that range. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey, you've never met Darren in person. This is the first time you've actually probably talked to him on the phone. It is, yeah. So I met Darren uh, back in Mount Vernon, uh, Missouri, where I served as the uh, youth pastor and children's uh, director, and he was the assistant, sorry, assistant or associate? Assistant uh, so to the pastor? <laughs> yeah, to, assistant to the regional. To the regional yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you served there. We Fact. met. We became friends. Yeah, exactly. We became friends there. Uh, then I uh, served in Little Rock for a time and then came down to serve in uh, Tampa. And then they were work- looking for someone to serve in a worship pastor position. You prayed about it, and here you are. And I'm yeah. happy to be serving with you again. Um, and then it's kind of funny because we actually spoke – of course, before we started, but there's some ties that we know some people in common, even though, Corey, you haven't met Darren. You guys have some, some ties. So It's all the well, six degrees of separation, right? That's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> so, okay, Darren, uh, I just gotta, we're going to ask you a few questions. Uh, Corey, I think you have maybe, maybe a couple questions for Darren. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I'll make something up. For okay, <laughs> sweet. Uh, so, Darren, what's a, what's a podcast you're listening to right now that you've enjoyed? And it doesn't have to be serious. It can be just a fun one. Sure. What's a podcast you're listening to? Um, one that I, I I mean I really enjoy is uh, um, Hardcore History. Um, they're usually each about four hours long. And so I usually, you know, if I'm on a road trip, I'll, I'll put that one on for sure. Or if I'm doing, working on a project out in the yard, but it's really, it's really, really good. I like that one. I listen to it a lot. I like, uh, or if you're uh, in the city, like we are now, just your yeah. commute in and from, to and from work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'll get half of it done each way. <laughs> exactly. <There you> go. <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, I listen to, uh, doxology and theology. They don't update it quite often. Basically it's just, uh, recordings from the conference of doc, of doxology and theology, but I'll, I'll re-listen to that a lot. Who's involved with the doxology, that long word, uh, yeah, doxology and theology podcast? Yeah, that's mainly Matt Boswell, but they're, you know, they feature a bunch of different worship leaders, a bunch of different theologians. Um, 
you know, there's uh, Piper's on there. Um, oh, just a, a number of different guys are on there that I really like to listen to. All right, without giving me uh, a reason why, what's a favorite movie? The Patriot. Okay, favorite book? Mm, probably Pilgrim's Progress. Favorite worship song? Oh, man. <laughs> right now. Of course, you probably have multiple favorites. Or it could be all time, you know, yeah. your, your, your go-to favorite. Yeah, I don't have a favorite of all time. I, you know, things, you know, I, I usually go through seasons where, man, this is my favorite song right now. And so right now I'm really, I'm really loving uh, Sovereign Grace's uh, Turn Your Eyes. Okay. Yeah, we played that Sunday. Yeah, it's, I love that song, man. It's just a great man, arrangement of the, you know, the kind of the classic hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Your drummer on that track. I've just made he's, so he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal, so man. He's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, we're we're talking without Corey knowing that I'm the the, the drummer right now for our church. So, um, there's right, drummers uh, and there's clubbers, and you're a drummer. Oh, there we go. I don't know what a clubber means. Yeah, you just bang on them. Oh, okay. But well, you, don't just say, bang, you don't just bang on them, though, man. A clubber in Tampa is a whole different... Well, yeah, that's a whole different... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On way home, I passed like 30 of them. Ebor right, um, Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, if you could have any guitar, money wasn't an option. If you got any guitar, you are a guitar player. Uh, do you have a guitar you pick? Oh, gosh. So I really... I mean, I, I've played Taylors for a long time. I love I love my Taylor Um but man, I picked up a Gibson, and I can't remember what it, it's a custom design. But it's a, a Gibson acoustic at a guitar store not too long ago, and played it. And man, I just, I, I'm really, you know, this is going to be terrible for some folks. I'm, I've not been the hugest Gibson fan on acoustics, but man, that one was so. It looked pretty and it sounded pretty, but I can't remember the name. I can't remember the model of it. But it was beautiful. Played a, I've, I've told you this before, but I played with a good guy in um, college. And uh, Darren, you've not met this guy, but Corey, you've met this guy, Cliff. And he always played a Gibson. Is it Bluebird or Hummingbird? I always forget. Do you, do you know? I don't know, man. Okay, one of the, one of the two. But, all right, I've got one more question for you that I'm sure Corey has some questions for you. Um, this one you can explain if you'd like. I know a few of these I just ask for brief answers, but if you could worship or tour alongside of any uh, musician, we'll say living or deceased, who would it be and why? Oh, you worship and tour alongside of any any musician. Gosh, I it's hard because I just love all kinds of music. I mean, I love Southern gospel. I love contemporary. I love the, the modern worship stuff. So, so Lady Gaga? <laughs> I'll say Kanye. No, um, uh, man, I, man, I think I would really like to. Uh, so I'll just, I, I really like the Casting Crowns model, you know, as far as, you know, still being tied to a, a local church, you know, touring on, you know, the end of, end of a week and then being back in their own local church on Sunday through Wednesday and then going back out. I, I think I would, I'd like to do that with those guys. That'd be pretty cool. Nice. That's a good answer. All right, Corey. Man, Trent, bring it, man. You, you, you took at least two of the questions I was going to ask. Um, <laughs> so, the favorites are always the go-to, right? Right, yeah. And so, so mine are going to be a little less spiritual, probably. Um, but 
considering who your favorite sports teams are, oh, um, I, I want to know, uh, are you in favor of the Cowboys holding out on <laughs> Dak, or do you want them to sign him? Oh, man. So this is a sore spot because the Cowboys are actually my favorite uh, NFL football team. Um, oh, man. Just for the, for the sake of the franchise, I am in favor of it. Of him signing? Uh, uh, no, or, of, the, of them holding out. I'm sorry. I'm, got yeah, you. Got yeah. you. Okay. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a little so, so different Dak Prescott, spin. That's the that's the quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you not a, no, you not a football I have, fan? I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I know the Cowboys, right? And I know. That's America's team, man. I know that's NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to be in my fantasy league next year so I could win. That would be awesome. <laughs> was, I, was I not in it this past year? I, don't, I, don't, I think I was. You? I just wasn't memorable. <laughs> See, that's the yeah. problem. Apparently you did really well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. And so my other question is kind of a variation of one Trent asked was, uh, but if, if you could uh, lead worship before any preacher, dead or alive, um, and, and since you're a history guy, um, who would that be? Oh man! And can mm. we can we eliminate like Jesus and Peter? yeah, and Paul? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so no uh, biblical folks. Let's see, man. So who is it, and okay. why is it Rob Bell? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so he could get saved. I would, uh, I I said would preachers. I would, I would preach the gospel. Got real serious. <laughs> I just got real serious on the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> the truth is, man, it is what it is. Yeah. Farewell, okay, Baron this Selvage. is going to be – yeah, exactly. First and last. Uh, let's see. I, okay, this is going to be a weird um, – I think a weird choice, but I, I think just okay, right off the cuff, I would say Martin Luther just because he loved music. I mean, yeah. ma- matter of fact, he, you know, he, he has a quote that says, a man who does not love music is a, is a clod of a man. <laughs> so, so man, I think we, he and I could get along. <laughs> and, you, and you can put whatever words you want to use in that, in that music. And he's used them all, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking Luther, though, wouldn't let you pick the songs. <laughs> probably not. He probably would tell me what to sing. Yeah, He probably would. Yeah, it's probably true. That's probably true. Oh, man. All right, Trent. So why don't you, I think that's all the questions I got. Why don't you introduce our topics today? Yeah, so I kind of wanted just to have a conversation with you guys. I think Darren's well-suited for this conversation, and I'm interested to hear some of his take. Of course, I do have the blessing of hearing a lot of what he says throughout the week uh, on on things like this. Um, But as we just survey the cultural situation at hand, so... Um, right now, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, a.k.a. I don't know when I'll get done editing it, but um, today is June the 22nd. Um, we are, if my math is correct, what, three months, more than three months in to the COVID pandemic that's kind of uh, ravaged our country and the world as, uh, as a whole. Um, churches are beginning to meet back together again. Uh, in Florida, however, there's a lot of different... Uh, uh, headlines that mention our 
tests, uh, the positive tests are rising up, and so there's some uproar about what we should do. There's political unrest alongside of that with, of course, uh, everything that's happened with George Floyd and um, and Aubrey and the Black Lives Matter movement, and we won't be discussing all of the details of all of those those different things, nor even maybe our opinions of those things. Um, but what we're recognizing very clearly is there is uh, an extreme amount of division and political and societal unrest, violence and anger and social media outrage and uh, silence being, you know. Uh, put next to the word violence and you know if you speak up you're scared of what to say so all of that being said I thought it would be a good idea not to just wade necessarily into those waters but to just ask the question what does the church uh, what's the proper church response to this Uh, how should how should we respond as the people of God in a world that is marked with disunity, division, anger, violence, and um, just dissension. So, yeah, I thought that would be the the topic of conversation, a good one. Um, Any thoughts? Just want to, anybody want to jump toward that? Phew, that's a mouthful. (laughs) To what? Um, That that was a mouthful, man. Sure. Um, I think I'm just better at responding to questions, actually. (laughs) Who wants to wade into the waters? <laughs> well, well I, I'll start. I, I just think number one, we have to say, don't be shocked at the at the atmosphere in which we find ourselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, we live in a fallen world among fallen humanity, and so for there to be disunity in our culture should not be something that catches us as the Church of Jesus Christ off guard. Um, I mean, he's told us there there would be tribulation in this world like he's told us that that uh that you know the heart of man is wicked and all of these things and so you know to look at a culture to watch the news to see all those things and to to think that that is surprising should not be the christian response like we should understand that these kind of things are going to happen in culture although we don't encourage them and don't like them we we have to understand that that's going to be the thing that's going to be the reality in our world until Christ returns. And there's going to be varying degrees of that. But you don't wake up every morning waiting for the next shoe to drop or the next thing to fall. Uh, you just understand that that God has said this is the way it's going to be until he returns. And so don't wake up and be surprised, I guess, is one one thing we can say. So the three of us are all, I think it should be said that the three of us, um, Darren and Corey, I know you guys don't know each other super well, but are, are cut from the same theological cloth. Not only are we, you know, SBC pastors, but we all affirm the reality that the Lord is sovereign over all, meaning uh, when we see passages in like Lamentations 337, uh what has taken place unless the Lord has commanded it, right? We see Acts 2.23 talking about the sovereign plan of God from the beginning of time to um, set forth his son as a um, substitutionary sacrifice from the hands of lawless men. And so he even uses uh, uh, the sin of 
common men to accomplish his plans, who think that they're working against the will of God. Rather, God is orchestrating and ordaining all that takes place. And so something that I've been telling our, our students, we just ended a small series called Anxiety. Uh, or the actual series was called Anxious. And, and one thing that I've been reminded of as I was studying passages like Matthew 6 was, like we keep using phrases like this is unprecedented times and uncertain times. And I mean, those, those words and their definitions are true, but I think it must just be said that at what point can we say these are certain times, right? I mean, you made a good point there. Um, I have no idea what tomorrow looks like. And what this uh, COVID pandemic has, I think, taught us is no one does. And oftentimes we plan thinking we know exactly what tomorrow's going to look like and the next day and the next month and the next year. And what's just kind of made been made clear through here, th- throughout this process, is that yeah, we have no idea, right? Um, our sovereign God controls tomorrow, and we really don't know what tomorrow looks like. We're just thankful that the Lord knows um, and that he's control of it. You know, and I think, you know, sometimes we, we get so comfortable here. Um, I, I just think back, you know, it's, you know, kind of looking back at, at some hymns that were written in the, like the 1800s, you know, and, and life was difficult then. I mean, there were, there were issues, obviously, then that are, are very even similar to some of the issues we're looking at today. Um, and in, in, in our country, in, in America, we can get very comfortable and almost live like this life here is permanent and that's all we have and that's all we'll ever know. And, and using the term uncertain is, is good because it's kind of shaken us out of that a little bit um, to where you don't, and in some ways you don't know what she's gonna, I mean, we don't need to live in fear of that, but I think it helps us to, you know, like like I was talking about some some of the hymns written back in the 1800s. There's a lot of hymns written about heaven, because um, life here was tough. It, it, you know, it, you had to work to survive, and I mean, physically hard work. I mean, you had to hunt, you had to plow, you had to to, to reap, and and you were at the at the nature or at the the mercy of nature in, in a sense. Uh, there are so many things out of, out of your control, and I think we're getting a taste of that right now. There are so many things that are out of out of our control, and and I think sometimes that makes us long for heaven more. And I'm just interested interested to see, uh, you know, what worship songs are going to come out of this. Are we going to are, are we going to long for heaven more when or or God's kingdom more when all things are made right? And, you know, because it, it can seem I think some days like we are. Um, you know, living like in the in the book of Judges, you know, where every man is kind of doing what's right in his own eyes, and and as we're doing that, things are spiraling downward, out of control, and, and each judge that, that that comes along, the 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 redemption or the rescue is not as long lasting, because we keep you know going back to to the to the idols in a sense, you know, just like the Israelites did. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, go ahead, Corey. No, go ahead. I just think that's a good point in that, you know, I think maybe our response uh, is an indication of what our hearts are really trusting in, mm. you know, yeah. um, because you, you're talking about, and Trent, you're talking about control and the sovereignty of God. And, and then, you know, we, we do have this illusion of control and security that we live with most of the time. And this has 
definitely shaken that um, in in most people, and you know probably revealed some things in each of our hearts that we didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about just church members, but like mine individually. Like you know, I just this whole thing has has left me searching more for the Lord and and put me on my knees more than I was. And so that's a good thing, uh, even though like these times we don't enjoy, but like there are some very good things that can result in this if if we'll continue to seek the Lord in it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, Trent, I think, I can't remember, Trent or Corey, one of you guys said something about, um, you know, God using even the sinful acts of men. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, that those don't thwart his sovereign eternal plan. Um, I just... I kind of think back to uh, like Rachel and and Jacob and you know the the great you know baby race and just all the all the all the deceit all the manipulation all of the adultery all the sin that was immersed in all that and woven through all of that and yet through that God brings forth His chosen people we get the scriptures from that we ultimately get the Messiah and redemption from that. And so even in our sinful acts, even in, in tough times, God knows exactly what it's going to take, like you said, Corey, just to, to drive us back on our knees and, and sanctify us and make us more like him. And um, we just, man, we've got to be, I just, I think, ever mindful of, of that and remember that our, our trust and our hope is not in this place, but it's in Christ and in Christ alone. And, and just get back you know, on our knees, searching for him, seeking him. So I think we keep throwing this term around uh, sovereignty, and I think it might be helpful just to kind of tease out a definition of what that means. And then, you know, kind of, Darren, as you're saying, adding on the Lord's provisional work in that to care and, um, yeah, to care for his children. So if if I may, I'm just going to throw out a, a kind of a definition of God's sovereignty and God's provision, and maybe just work through it. Because I think what we're saying is that through this process, we've, had the, uh, the the necessary or that well just the need to to lean and trust upon the Lord's sovereignty and his provision so here's sovereignty when we talk about God's sovereignty we're talking about the authority he and he alone has as he controls conducts and calendars everything will we uh, kind of agree with that definition of sovereignty yeah, yeah, that, I think that so. Sounds good. Yep. Okay, so provision. When we're talking about God's provision, we're talking about the ability. So not the necessarily the authority, but the ability He and He alone has as He acts within His creation to provide and protect for anyone and anything. Right. So, so God's sovereignty is the authority He has to control, conduct, and calendar. God's provision is the ability He has, acting within that creation to provide and protect for anyone or anything. So. I, I, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm pulling this from notes that I wrote on a sermon that I gave to our students a few weeks ago. Um, but but the good thing is that God's, if God is teaching us... I came up with that alliteration pretty quickly, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I so thought maybe it was Rain, Wayne yeah. Grudem or something. Yeah, yeah. he's a genius. Boy yeah. genius over there, man. <laughs> right, right. So I did write it, but it is from notes. So um, so what I, what I was teaching our students is, is this has been a time that, as you guys said, has led me to remind myself that yeah, I've I've got to trust God. He's I think he's teaching us that we must trust him. 
like uh, through this process. I think there is a divine purpose in everything that's going on, as we would all agree. And I think one of those purposes is for us to trust him. God's sovereignty teaches me I don't control all my days, and his providence teaches me that I don't supply all my needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we just we just said the other day, Darren, we were on a panel with, with uh, our, our lead pastor of our church, and, and I know this was kicked around that if if we believe that God is sovereign and he is not loving or if he is not good, there is reason to fear. Right. If we believe that he is loving and good but not sovereign, there's reason to fear. But if he is sovereign and he is good, then there's no reason to fear, right? Right. There's, there's room to trust and there's reason to trust. And so this has been a time of where I think God is calling his church to, to trust him. What are some other things that you think the Lord's teaching us, you know, as the people of God uh, who've trusted in Him throughout this time? Before we look at kind of our response to everything going on as the church, what is what is this? What has God been teaching us? You believe through throughout this time? Man, I think just, and I can probably just speak for me personally here. Just, you know, how how selfish sometimes I can become um, and when things don't go according to my agenda or my plan um, how frustrated that can make me and uh, realizing that maybe I have some idols in my life you know because you know one one good test of, of, a, of an idol is uh, you know what makes you mad when you don't get it you know and mm-hmm. so when you know just an example you know it's a silly one, but you know when I don't get to have a choir and I don't get to have a choir rehearsal uh, for months on end, that it sometimes angers me. I get frustrated about it and uh, and have to be careful. Um, you know that uh, you know if the, just because it's not you know just because it doesn't go the way I want it to go doesn't mean it's not going the way God wanted it to go. I mean this didn't take him by surprise, and so just kind of re- realizing. Um, uh, how selfish I can become, and even like in, in quarantine or in you know, you know, staying at home and social distancing and all that, just kind of taking care of my own and looking after my my own. And and I'm I'm kind of an introvert anyway, and so it's easy just to to kind of hold up and and bunker down for for me. And and so I don't know, it's something that really has been pointed out for for me personally. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, one of the things that, that the Lord's been teaching me is just the fragility mm-hmm. of unity in the church um, and and how how easily things can come between us if we're not actively pursuing that unity. Um, kind of a kind of one example of that is those who uh, want to wear masks in church and those who don't. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly where my head went when you said that. Exactly. And and just, you know, just I mean it's something small and yet we can so easily be divided over that and and not focus on the main things and um and so, you know, that he the Lord's been teaching me that how we have to really work for that, but he's also been teaching me um, just the sufficiency of the word, you know, when, whenever all of the, you know, frills are gone uh, and all of the extras are gone, 
how important the word is in the in the transformation of his people and um, and you know again I, I include myself in that even as the preacher like I, he has his the sufficiency of his word in my own life in this time has has really been elevated in my heart and my mind um, as I just hunger for that each day and make that something the first thing that I do in the morning um, just to get up and spend time in his word and trust in that and you know going back to that whole issue of sovereignty again um, I think that's one of the ways that's facilitated is just making that something that you do every day and, and continue to feast on his word and that's so good I mean just this reminded me just I think a couple of weeks ago we had some technical difficulties with our you know our, our live stream and and our screens and, and all this and we just couldn't get it ironed out and it, it worked perfectly you know during sound check and during the run through and then it's time to live stream and all of a sudden everything blows up you know and I'm, I'm running back and forth between the sound booth and the stage trying to get things you know corrected and Trent's doing the same thing he's trying to help me and uh, we're trying to get it you know get the ship arrived and and just it reminded me it's like you know you know, because in your head, you're like, well, we can't worship without blah, 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 without all this stuff and without these screens on, without this. And it's like, you know, we didn't have any of this. I mean, just a few short decades ago, really. But I mean, the church didn't have any of this, but yet they were able to worship, just like you said, the sufficiency of the word, the sufficiency of scripture and the power of the gospel. Um, that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Like literally, I have this written down. Is I think this time has not only because we've already talked about the Lord has taught us to trust Him. I think throughout this time, but to trim off the excess, mm-hmm. right? The, yeah. Those who are relying on frills and thrills uh, in the church, um, uh, y- you know, uh, they're not going to make it, <laughs> right? Uh, so I think it's it's this time has allowed us and kind of forced us. To consider, hey, what's most essential, right? Prayer, the reading of the word, the preaching of the word, the singing of the word. What is most essential? We don't have time for extras right now, right? We don't, you know. I think it really has has us focusing. Okay, what's what's this whole gathering supposed to be about as the church, right? Both, you know. Um, personally what's essential and then as a church what's essential and then uh, Corey you also just hinted on a need for community I I think that is so true as well because um, right now like if you if you've spent any time on social media which all of us have probably spent a lot more time on social media than needed and than ever before because um, many people at least even in our churches have more time at home right now right and they've had it for the next for the last few months and and you can see how that's uh, fleshed itself out in a lot of bad ways. Um, I think we could even argue in some social media almost abuse ways where we're spending so much time on social media that uh, our mind becomes uh, uh, kind of a, a cave of everything that we want to see. Uh, and, and so I guess when we're not around people, when we're not around um, people who maybe have differing opinions and we can have charitable conversations with basically we just vomit out everything that we see we get aggravated easier we um, live in our own uh, you know isolated we're right camp we're the we're smart we're the best and just 
keep throwing out stuff on social media. And if when we're spending all our time on social media, we're just being fed information that's really not good, we just vomit that back out. I think I think that could be true, right? Um, so I guess I'm just saying social media is people where people are living right now um, because they're not around others. And, and so everything that's on social media is extremely uncharitable and... Um, and just altogether unhelpful. A lot of it, at least. Okay, so the church and the culture. So we, we just walked through a few different things that I think the Lord has, has taught us. Trust His sovereign control, kind of pull away the excess and focus on what's most important, and then just our our need for community. God has designed us for community. Um, when you find a person in isolation, um, uh, you know, it's not a helpful place to be. Um, what do you think our response needs to be? What are some, what are some ways we can view the church engaging the culture? Uh, what's the church's witness in the culture right now? How can we use the time that we are living in within the circumstances for God's greater glory? Well, I, I would say one of the things, and I'm going to try to tie two things together here. Um, one, as far as uh, engaging the culture, but also um, in tying it back to unity. I, I think one of the things that's essential for us in the church to do is to have genuine conversations. Um, and, you know, sometimes there's people in the church that maybe you wouldn't, have anything in common with other than the fact that you both are in Christ and and he's brought you both to the same fellowship and so I think sitting down with one another and just modeling that for the world um, of, of having real conversations and maybe even at the end of those conversations you neither one of you's changed each other's minds but you've taken time to get to know somebody and you know, like we've lost the capacity in our culture for civility because it, if you disagree with me, it means I, it means uh, that we hate each other, and and that shouldn't be, especially in the church. And so I think taking that time to sit down and really hear one another and 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 hear the heart behind where somebody's coming from and and what they've experienced in their life. There's so much that makes up a person's perspective on different things and just most of the time we hear somebody say something and we assume that we understand everything that has gone into that statement uh, even though there might be years and years of of thought and experience behind it but, but based on our own experience we think we know where they're coming from and so I think if we could learn to do that in the church um, and and kind of you know, have this uh, tiered system of of really focusing on the most important things and and putting away the other stuff. Um, I think that would be a great example uh, in a, in a great way to engage the culture if they saw that we were willing to do that within ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, and that, you look at a. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> just, I'm just saying that uncivility has it has spilled over into the church. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it, man, I don't know if, if in our culture today it's it's hard to have those kind of conversations because like, like you said, if you don't agree with me on every single point, 
then we're automatically at odds and enemies and I can't stand you and it shouldn't be that way in in the in the church and so man it's a that I think that's a challenge I think that's a way that we do it would I mean Christ himself said that you know they'll know that that you're my witnesses by your love that you have for each other mm-hmm. and uh, and so we've got to learn how to how to have those conversations again in Acts 21 Paul is accused of taking Trophimus, an Ephesian Gentile, over what arguably was the dividing wall, the wall that outlined the part of the temple that only Israelites could pass, that the Jewish people could pass. And for doing so, Paul, a Jew, was nearly killed, right? Um, Later on in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul speaks of how we've been gathered together as the people of God. He says Gentiles were once strangers and aliens to the covenants of promises, covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. And then he basically says, but Christ has made Jew and Gentile both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between the two. So in Christ's death, He has broken any long-standing division between Jew and Gentile, the most hostile people toward one another, right? And because now we have peace with God, we ought to display the peace that we have with God in our love and peace with one another, right? The church should have an unparalleled unity that almost disorients disorients our divided world, right? You see in Philippians chapter 1 that... Uh, when we're striving together with one mind and one spirit, um, we uh, make, a, make it visible to our opponents their destruction, right, and our salvation. So we should, uh, the church's witness in a world that is angry and violent against one another, polarized societally and politically, should be a unity that just disorients the world, right? Our love for one another um, should set us apart as disciples of Christ. Uh, our love for one another is what Jesus prayed for in John 17. We're supposed to outdo one another in showing honor. Well, what does the world do or what characterizes the world? Outdoing one another for one's own personal gain, right? Uh, trying to step up the ladder, even if it means on the backs of others. Well, what Jesus commands the church and through the mouth of Paul in Romans 12 is to basically, no, you lay everything down for the sake of another person, right? So, um, we don't live for our gain, we live for others' good, even if that means sacrificing our rights, our desires, or uh, our livelihood in some sense. Um, so, so one thing that I think is just really, really important is this is a very pivotal time, I think, in American church history where uh, America does no longer finds the church. Um, well, the... the, the America and the church are beginning to look a lot more different. <laughs> and not that they were ever the same, but you're being able to see, hey, just because you live in America doesn't mean you're a Christian. And just because you're you know, a, a, a Christian, I guess, doesn't mean you're going to be accepted in America, right? Um, in fact, I think that the two are kind of being teased out from one another. And so what is the church... What should characterize the church? Well, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians, right? And I'm thinking that the church at Corinth was probably in a very similar situation as the church now here in America. And I'm sure Corinth was probably a little bit worse than America currently stands um, in many ways. But 
problem with the church at Corinth is they looked very worldly, right? And so Paul, writing to Corinth, marks out throughout the, the book, and Corey, I know we just both went through Corinth, so you may need to fill in some gaps here. Or we just both taught through Corinthians. But it seems like Paul, it keeps pointing at the church for looking too much like the world. Um, he first points out in the first four chapters, right, their uh, humility. They're very prideful. Uh, they boast in their own wisdom. The wisdom they've received is the wisdom of God. So they need to be humble. That's why, one way they witness to Christ in the world, to the, to the culture in Corinth. Uh, he marks out their purity in chapters 5 through 6, right? Um, he's like, how, how could this be that you live like this? Even unbelievers are looking at you and they're thinking you're crazy for what you're doing. So we should be an example of Christ's purity to the world. Chapter 7, relational commitment. Uh, in chapters you know, 8 through 10, we see our selfless unity, um, or sorry, our selflessness. Um, in chapter 12 through 14, when it talks about the spiritual gifts, we see um, our serving one another. In chapter 11, it talks about our unity and coming together as a body of Christ to celebrate the Lord's Supper. In chapter 15, our hope in the midst of a world without hope. And uh, I don't know, I just I consider all the different topics brought up in Corinthians, and I say, okay, this is this is what we need. We need to be a distinct witness as the light in a dark world, so that people, when people see us, they see something dramatically different than what they see and they are experiencing in the world. That the church has never been taught by God to blend in. Yeah, right. I, I would just say. The church in America needs to, um, you know, quit worrying about being invited to the cool kids' table at lunch, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I mean, we try, we want people to like us, we want people to love us, we want to be cool, we want to be relevant. And I, this is gonna, this is gonna sound, I think, oversimplified, but man, we have just, we've got to get back to the gospel. And sharing the gospel with our neighbors, our friends, our family. Um, that you know, we're talking. You know, we're kind of bemoaning the the church a little bit. You know, you know, not or our culture. You know, not being very Christian. Um, the church has given that up in a lot of ways. I mean, we we are not witnessing. Um, you know, and we're and we're becoming more like the world than sometimes than the world is. You know, then instead of trying to bring the gospel to the world, if that makes sense. When I say world, I mean, you know, this system, this sphere that set it, set itself up against God. And I think we're, we're so, and we just look stupid, I think, when we try to do that. When we, when we try to emulate, you know, the, the world and, and look like the world, you know, but, but put our Christian stamp on it, we just look silly. It, it doesn't look relevant. It looks, we, we're, we're supposed to stand out. We're not supposed to be liked. We're going to be persecuted. Jesus said, "They hated me first. They're going to hate you. If you follow me, they're going to they're going to hate you." I mean, and Paul tells Timothy, "All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted." And so I think we've kind of got to get over this feeling. Well, people won't like me, or I'm going to be marginalized, or or whatever. And because the answer is yes, you're right. People are not going to like you. You will be marginalized. You will be persecuted as long as you try to live for Christ. Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about there has has even affected our proclamation of the gospel mm, yeah. because we have uh, we have I don't know kind of soft pedaled the gospel for so long that 
you know, we haven't told people it's going to cost them anything. Right. Like you just, you just come down here and pray this prayer and like, you're good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there hasn't been any commitment uh, and saying like, you're, you are going to suffer. You're, you're going to have to live uh, different than the rest of the world. And, and, you know, really whenever we do that, um, whenever we try to blend in, like why, why would that be attractive to anybody? Because at some level, they're going to come to the end of their rope and, and understand that all of these things that the world offers them will not give them hope, and it's not satisfying. And if we're not looking any different than the rest of the world, why would they even bother? Yeah, mm-hmm. wasn't that the stuff we were supposed to repent from? Didn't we just, you know, we want to be saved yeah, from right. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I think another yeah. thing, too, I, I just, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, just... Uh, I think we can't, we've got to not live in fear. Um, I think, you know, you know, amongst the, you know, the coronavirus pandemic and all that, I think we need to be wise and, and not foolish, but we can't, we just can't be living in, in fear. Cause like you said earlier, Trent, if we have, if we have a sovereign God who is also loving, we have nothing to fear. Yeah. And, and you don't win the culture by looking like the culture, no. right? Right, you, exactly, you, and 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 not to be cheesy, but you just look tacky. You look like a Caruso T-shirt you look goofy. that says, "Yeah," that says, <laughs> "Meant to die instead of Mountain Dew." Right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You, you begin, and we, we got to realize that if Christ has sent us out into the world, and He has all authority, and He's going to be with us all the days, and we're supposed to go to all the nations, teaching them all things, and He's given us the power to do so, and He is powerful over everything. He is the Lord who reigns over all. Then why are we trying to be like the culture instead of like Christ, who's the conqueror, right? Um, and, and it's so funny because I keep saying like we we are in an unprecedented time, and instead of uh, embracing that and running a, almost a, to the culture with the gospel. We, we try so hard to, um, and I'm, I'm pointing at myself here, but we, we try so hard to just almost um, look so much like the culture that we don't, uh, uh, you know, make too many ripples. But when you look back, back across the corridor of time or whatever, you, you see the church explode in times of persecution. And it wasn't because they won the culture, but it was because they died it's because they were persecuted yeah because they were slain yeah they're not little rocks being thrown into a pond you know causing little ripples they're you know boulders being tossed into the middle of the pond you know making waves yeah i watched a video and i think i sent it to Corey, and i think you watched some of it and uh darren i know we watched it together but um there was a, a pastor talking on a video and he said uh you know you look back through history and and just considering how oftentimes the church has a has an idea of um, of the future that leads it so often to, to to fear instead of go with the gospel in confidence. He says, you know, you look back at Hugh Latterman and Thomas Ridley, two uh, individuals, martyrs, uh, back um, when Bloody Mary was killing so many different Protestants, and they were burned at the stake, and I don't think it was Latimer who said, play the man, right? Basically, we got them, you know, <laughs> they're not going to get us now, right? And it's funny because they're about to die. Then there's 100 people around them, surrounding them, killing them. And he's like, we got them. 
And then you look back at the early church and they're being thrown to wolves and putting in the gladiator ring, being tortured to death. And they have an unshakable confidence that the Lord can accomplish what he has set out to accomplish, that the that, that we could, with his authority, go in to all nations, all peoples, tribes, and tongues, and, and really share the gospel. Uh, so oftentimes we, as this pastor said, you know, we'll watch news all night uh, uh, that tells us how bad our world is on our 72-inch plasma screen TV, or it's not plasma anymore, LED screen TV, go upstairs. plasma. Yeah, go upstairs <laughs> into our two-story house, you know, get into our nice deluxe fridge that's filled with food and drinks, pour ourselves a glass of chocolate milk, our favorite type of chocolate milk, and tell our wife how this world's just going to, you know, burn and be horrible and turn into a hellhole. And it's, it's just horrible. It's awful out there. We shouldn't go out there. It's awful out there. You know, and, and what if we just went with confidence that the Lord really is in charge and we can, hmm. we can make a, with the Lord's power, and huge impact even when times are tough right now. So I think this is a pivotal time in the church, and it will be telling what we, how we respond to this, what our witness is, what our, the witness of our character is, and the confidence of our commission. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's important. You know, yesterday I was, I was preaching a sermon out of the book of Joshua, and it was about Caleb and how, how him and Joshua had to stand against popular opinion. Um, and and the result was even the, even the people that were around them wanted to pick up stones and throw at them. And and but in that time, like Caleb continued to trust the Lord, and as a result, like he got the inheritance, and he and he was he was confident and he was bold because whenever they did come into the promised land, like he came to Joshua and said, "You remember what the Lord promised me. Now give this to me." And mm-hmm. and if the Lord in the may the may it be that the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out, you know. And so there was no, there was no backing down. I mean, and that guy was eighty five yeah, years old. Yeah, exactly. And he, he was going he was going strong. So give me yeah, that. We, we got to have confidence. That's right. Don't you love like just stories of an older man that's like, yeah, I've lived this long. We're just going to stand. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> oh, good. Um. So we need to re- remember that the Lord is teaching us something in this. Trust His sovereignty. Uh, remind ourselves of what's essential in our lives and in the lives of the church. Remind ourselves of our need of community and enjoy community together now that we're gathering back together as churches. Focus on what the witness of our character is in an ungodly world so that we stand out as like lights in the world, distinct, different not trying to blend in, and we need to go to the world with a vigor that's unparalleled, that God can accomplish people's salvation, and we shouldn't be afraid, right? We shouldn't fear. Um, Even in the worst of times, like being burned at the stake, people say, this is going to make a huge impact because I'm living like Christ, and we should be able to selflessly go out in the world, sacrificing our lives, knowing that Christ can accomplish much with our faithfulness. It's good. Yep, good stuff. Well, I think we're getting close to the end of our time. We're trying to keep our time around 45 minutes. So uh, anything else you guys want to add as we close? 
Well, not technically about that. I, I think I, uh, I think I was supposed to uh, ask Darren a question at the beginning that I forgot to ask, and so, uh, so kind of as we wrap up, I'm going to ask this. Uh, and Darren, since you're a music guy, I think this will, uh, since you're a worship pastor, this will be something that'll be right up your alley because <laughs> you're used to uh, going with the music anyway here. And and so, if um, if you're getting ready to get into a fight with somebody, uh, you're about to get into this fight. What song comes on as your soundtrack as you're get, it's getting ready to play? So this is a physical altercation, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh man. Or which, maybe maybe it's just something you're built up in your mind. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> which, which Darren's pretty scrappy. I mean, he he was a wrestler in high school. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I would say that, uh, okay, so going back to uh, wrestling high school days, there was a, this will kind of give away how old I am. Um, there was a movie that came out, and, and it was a really, it was kind of a B movie. I mean, no one ever really liked it except for wrestlers. It was called Vision Quest. I don't know if any of you guys have even heard of that, but uh, it, was, it was a movie about What, uh, about what year wrestlers. was this? Uh, 19 <laughs> something 86 87 yeah yeah it wasn't a lot yeah yeah um <laughs> you, you, yeah so anyway so this movie came out and there was a it's about you know it's about it's about wrestling and so anyway the, the kind of the, kind of this guy's it kind of became my pump up song was it's a song called lunatic fringe i don't know if you guys remember that or not i've ever heard of that but it's not a real popular would... song but uh I will definitely be looking yeah, that up. Lunatic Fringe, man. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's a real. It's a kind of like a slow burn kind of a song. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, I think that's what would. That's usually like in serious moments, you know. That, that's kind of. I think I still go back to that sometimes, you know. All right. I don't know All if right, this is copyright. So. Hold on. I don't know if this is copyright to actually play this song. Oh, there you speaker go. for two seconds. Yeah, let's do just, it, let's man. Let's see what we're doing right here. Right now. Trent, you better be ready. He may walk into your office if you're ready. <laughs> yeah, to it's clock you, man. <laughs> I shouldn't have played it. Oh man. <laughs> Nobody come in my office right now. <laughs> All right, Corey. What? Well, I, I know you're trying to end this thing. What would yours be? Oh, dude. Like, <laughs> I thought about this. And, you know, like, everybody's first thought probably is, well, the, the theme to Rocky, yeah, or right? Either, that's or I the Tiger or something. Yeah, yeah something like that. I, but I'm not, I, you know, I probably a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this. Like, I don't like Rocky movies. Oh. Like, my wife just thinks they're the best thing ever, <laughs> and she would watch them all. But, like, I just, I can't do it. Like, Stallone's acting is just terrible. <laughs> that's okay, like, so, moron so, right there. <laughs> like, like him and, him and Nicolas Cage are right there in the same boat for me. <laughs> okay, so. So but, Darren um, loves Rocky movies. Corey, <laughs> you hate Rocky movies. I've never seen any Rocky movies. Oh man, you haven't even <laughs> never lived seen a yet. one. You haven't lived. Yeah. All right, Corey, sorry. But no, that's all right. Um, so funny, the the song that that I think probably would get me jacked up and make me laugh all at the same time would be uh, "Here Comes the Boom," <laughs> just because of the movie. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Like I feel Kevin like a James. kinship with Kevin James, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, I could I could definitely go for "Here Comes the Boom," and maybe even the soft version where him and Henry Winkler are coming out, and it's the operatic version. I don't know. 
So uh, you and Kevin so, James yeah. fighting, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd take him. I, I can't remove Mall Cop from him, you know. So I think yeah. <laughs> I can just see you like I watch him. Up he's at, he's, a, he's resourceful apparently. Yeah. yeah, it would be a comedy of errors. See, he's on his. Sure. He, here's but. my. Here's what's going through my mind. He's on a Segway. He's coming, you know, toward you. He's, you know, reaching in the side of his pants, giving the idea that he has a gun, and you just clothesline. Yeah, just clothesline. <laughs> well, he actually gets in pretty decent shape for here comes the boom. So, yep. uh, but you know, so. I don't know. It's it's it would not be an attractive fight. I think. <laughs> oh, oh man! All right, Trent. So what about you, yeah. Trent? Yeah. See, this is what I was scared of. I'm trying to think as you're talking, um, dude. I listen to podcasts while I'm working out. I mean, what what kind of music would I play? Um, oh no. Uh, maybe something with Andy Minio. Yeah, maybe. I, so there was this band that I listened to. Uh, and I don't even know if I want to point people toward them. I don't even know if there's still a band either um, called Life on Repeat. And uh, they had some pretty cool drum breakdowns. That might that might get me going a little bit. So Life on Repeat. I know, I have to be the guy that brings up some random band that no one's ever heard of, but that's that's one I listened to while I was working out. Just solo drum riffs. That's all you're talking about <laughs> yeah. then, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, man, as as we wrap this up, I'm just going to ask those of you that are listening to go and give us a five-star review on Google Play or the Apple Store. And um, and also answer that question for us. Put that down there in the comments. Uh, what would be your soundtrack if you were getting ready to get into a fight? And so we want to thank you for listening this week. And uh, hopefully you'll come back again to In Context and Culture.